And to be perfectly frank, there have been times when members or leaders in the church have simply made mistakes. There may have been things said or done that were not in harmony with our values, principles, or doctrine. Brothers and sisters, stay in the boat. Use your life jackets. Hold on with both hands. Avoid distractions. Give Brother Joseph a break. Some have asserted that more members are leaving the church today and that there is more doubt and unbelief than in the past. This is simply not true. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has never been stronger. How can homosexual members of the church... First, I want to change the question. There are no homosexual members of the church. Questions are honored, but opposition is not. I think we'd also have to be honest. There may be some of these questions that there is no answer to. Yes. Those are going to be the ones we avoid. Doubt your doubts. Welcome to another episode of the Cognitive Dissidents Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. This is episode number three. Today, we're going to talk about the idea behind belief persistence. So belief persistence. Again, hopefully we're looking at those two words and we're realizing at least generally what that means, to persist in our belief. It is a psychology term that describes how humans will cling tighter to a belief when presented with evidence to the contrary. Belief persistence, or also called belief perseverance, is the tendency for people to hold their beliefs as true even when there is ample evidence to discredit the belief. When faced with evidence that contradicts their beliefs, people may choose to discredit, dismiss, misinterpret, or place little significance on the contradictory information. These these, psycho, these uh, psychological mechanisms, uh, last week we talked about, uh, I should say last week, but last time we talked about confirmation bias, and... Uh, today we're talking about belief persistence. These psychological mechanisms deeply affect us as human beings. Like we like to think we're rational, that human beings are reasonable, rational uh, animals. And the reality is that is so far from true. These mechanisms and the ones we'll talk about in the future deeply affect us. And the more we can be aware of these mechanisms the more that we can at least notice them and try to prevent them from overriding how we search for truth and how we weigh information and evidence and how we draw conclusions. So I wanted to give some examples of of belief persistence. And I want to do that uh, with a video. And so now we'll turn our time over uh, to this audio clip. Mike is a 32-year-old engineer who is obsessed with conspiracy theories. Mike has a conversation with his friend Jim in which Mike tells Jim that the September 11, 2001 attacks on the World Trade Center were orchestrated by the United States government. Jim shows Mike several official government documents and independent research reports that concluded that the United States government was not responsible for the attacks. 
Mike brushes off Jim's evidence as false and made up by the government in order to cover its tracks. No matter what Jim says or what kind of evidence he provides, Mike refuses to believe that the United States government was not responsible for the attacks. This is an example of belief perseverance. Belief perseverance is the tendency for people to hold their beliefs as true even when there is ample evidence to discredit the belief. When faced with evidence that contradicts their beliefs, people may choose to discredit, dismiss, misinterpret, or place little significance on the contradictory information. For example, Mike chose to dismiss the evidence that Jim presented to him. As a result, this allowed Mike to hold on to his beliefs about the September 11, 2001 attacks. According to research, there are at least three types of belief perseverance. Let's look at examples of each of the three types. Naive theories are your views about the world and how it operates. Examples of naive theories include your beliefs about how criminals think or the causes of global conflicts and war. They also include any stereotyping beliefs you might have regarding people from different races, age groups, or genders. For example, Tom might believe that all welfare recipients are African-American women, despite being presented with facts that show that the majority of welfare recipients are Caucasian. Self-impressions are beliefs about yourself. Examples of self-impressions include your beliefs about your intelligence, athletic ability, and personality. For example, Carrie might believe that she is a good skier, despite the fact that she has never been able to ski for more than a few seconds before falling down. Social impressions are your beliefs about other individuals. Examples of social impressions include your beliefs about your mother, your teacher, and your boss. For example, Bill might believe that his teacher dislikes him and is purposefully failing him. Since I'm Bill, let me jump back in. So the idea that we believe, like in school, that our teacher just doesn't like us and they're failing us. I remember being in 11th grade. No, it would have been my senior year. Sorry. So I'm in 12th grade. And my English teacher, I'm not doing that well in her class. And I think she doesn't like me. It's the reason I'm not doing so good. And so I end up having a conversation with her one day after class. And I leave a safe space for for my mind to be changed. And she spoke so highly of me and it was, and she pointed to just the lack of effort I was making and putting into her class was the reason why I was failing, not because of her attitude towards me. And at that point it clicked that that was the real reason. Like I wasn't doing what I needed to do to pass the class. It wasn't that she disliked me and was cutting me less breaks than the other kids. And so belief persistence tends to get each of us. And and I know some of these examples in the video that we just played, the audio bite, uh, were somewhat extreme at times. But on such a small scale, this mechanism affects us on a daily basis. So let's talk a little bit about how belief persistence or belief perseverance affects us within Mormonism. And And obviously, again, for those in other religions or other walks of life, like try to see how this affects you within your faith paradigm. And and we ought to notice that even when another conclusion is more reasonable, we choose to persist in holding and defending our present beliefs. For instance, when we look at our modern-day prophets, the modern-day leaders of our church, in Mormonism we believe these men to be prophets, seers, and revelators. We relate them to the Old Testament prophets. We look at Moses, Noah, and Abraham, and we say our current leaders are just like them. 
And yet when we look at the supernatural acts and the experiences that come off those two groups, if we take a step back and don't feel the need to defend our present beliefs, like do we realize that there's very big differences between those two groups? And is it, the question becomes, is it our need to hold on to the belief that those two groups are identical, that we come up with ways in which to explain those differences away, to ignore them, to dismiss them, to not go there and have a conversation about them. Another one is the Book of Mormon. It is a book of scripture that Mormons use, and they believe that this book was written by ancient prophets in the Americas a thousand years ago. And and once you realize that, and then you look at the book and you say, are there signs of 19th century material in that book? Now, those who are overwhelmed by belief persistence will find ways to dismiss, discredit, uh, distance themselves from that concept. And what they will do instead is they'll say, like, I'm not giving any weight to that information. Instead, what I'm going to do is pull out a handful of evidences that I see as giving credibility to this being an ancient document, and I'm going to overemphasize the weight of those things. And so the question becomes, can we step back and acknowledge the 19th century material in the Book of Mormon? And leave space to say, like, why is that in there without needing to defend my current belief? And you're seeing some scholars and historians within the church shedding themselves of this belief persistence. Uh, Patrick Mason, Richard Bushman, uh, Grant Hardy, uh, to some extent, um, Sam Brown is another one. These scholars are looking at the Book of Mormon text And they're saying like anywhere from we've loaded too much in the truth cart with lots of things. And one of those may be the Book of Mormon to Sam Brown and Richard Bushman making comments that, yes, there is 19th century material in there. It's it's bigger and more extensive than we currently have explanation for. So we need to step back and revise our explanations. When we look at Joseph Smith, we've put him as a, as a leader of our church. For those who aren't Mormon, Joseph Smith is the founding prophet. And really everything in our faith hinges on him. And so while Mormonism is willing to let Brigham Young be a severely flawed individual and letting prophets after him be severely flawed, Mormonism is very reluctant to allow Joseph Smith to be a deeply flawed individual. And so when when Joseph is having relationships with a 16-year-old maid in his home in 1833, her name is Fanny Elger, and Emma is unaware of the relationship until she sees the two of them alone in their barn. And it is also a relationship that Oliver Cowdery considers a, a tawdry affair. Once we realize that data, like, can we say like, uh-oh, Joseph Smith might be a severely flawed individual. Or do we have to find ways to dismiss, reconcile, distance ourselves from that information so that we can persist in our current beliefs? 
do we look at the church as a whole in the things that it avoids talking about versus the things that it chooses to emphasize as an institutional belief persistence? Take, for instance, Joseph's leg surgery. Joseph Smith, the founding prophet, when he's a young kid, eight or so in age, he has uh, this infection in his leg and he has this leg surgery. And in Mormonism, we make this experience a important story in our narrative. It is, it is an important story that we tell all the time, that members of our faith know this story. And yet when we look at Joseph Smith's practice of folk magic and treasure digging, two things. One, it's a much more prevalent, extensive experience in his life. And two, it has a much larger effect on who Joseph Smith is and how the restoration comes about. But notice that we de-emphasize that story and overemphasize a leg surgery. Is this a sign of institutional belief persistence? Even after the evidence for their beliefs has been totally refuted, people fail to make appropriate revisions in those beliefs. This is noted by researchers. Research has also investigated ways to reduce belief perseverance or belief persistence. The most obvious solution, asking people to be unbiased, doesn't work, right? That's the natural solution. Like, look somebody in the eye and say, stop being so biased. Look at the information objectively. And the trouble is, that actually doesn't work. Research has shown that counseling people to be unbiased has little to no effect in reducing the problem. However, several techniques do reduce the problem. And the most successful of these is to get the person to imagine or explain how the opposite belief might be true. This de-biasing technique is known as counter-explanation. And we'll hit on counter-explanation more in a future episode. But I would simply end here helping us recognize that telling someone to be unbiased doesn't work. Instead, get them to explain the other side of the argument. Have them defend that side. That is the most successful technique at getting people to set aside the strength of their belief persistence. This is another episode of the Cognitive Dissidence Podcast. Thank you for joining us. And to be perfectly frank, there have been times when members or leaders in the church have simply made mistakes. There may have been things said or done that were not in harmony with our values, principles, or doctrine. Brothers and sisters, stay in the boat. Use your life jackets. Hold on with both hands. Avoid distractions. Give Brother Joseph a break. Some have asserted that more members are leaving the church today and that there is more doubt and unbelief than in the past. This is simply not true. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has never been stronger. 
How can homosexual members of the church? First, I want to change the question. There are no homosexual members of the church. Questions are honored, but opposition is not. I think we'd also have to be honest. There may be some of these questions that there is no answer to. Yes. Those will, I think, be the ones we avoid. Doubt your doubts. 